Young nigga, four nigga, real nigga. Rich nigga, poor nigga, house nigga, feel nigga. Still nigga. Still nigga. Dark nigga, four nigga, real nigga, rich nigga, poor nigga, house nigga, feel nigga, still nigga, still nigga. OJ like, I'm not black, I'm OJ. Okay, house nigga, don't fuck with me, I'm a feel nigga, with Sean Cutlery. Go play the quarters, where the butlers be, I'ma play the corners, where the hustlers be. I told him. Please don't die over the neighborhood that your mama rentin'. Take your drug money and buy the neighborhood. That's how you rinse it. Uh. I bought every V12 engine. Wish I could take it back to the beginning. I could have bought a place in Dumbo before it was Dumbo. For like two million. That same building today is worth 25 million. Guess how I'm feeling? Dumbo. Light nigga, dark nigga, four nigga, real nigga. Rich nigga, poor nigga, house nigga, feel nigga. Still nigga. Still nigga. Light nigga, dark nigga, four nigga, real nigga. Rich nigga, poor nigga, house nigga, feel nigga. Wanna know what's more important than throwing away money at a strip club? Credit. You ever wonder why Jewish people own all the property in America? That's how they did it. Financial freedom, my only hope. Fuck living rich and dying broke. I bought some artwork for one million. Two years later, that shit worth two million. Two years later, that shit worth eight million. I can't wait to get this shit to my children. Y'all think it's bougie, I'm like, it's fine, but I'm trying to give you a million dollars worth of game for 999. I turn a 2 to a 4, 4 to an 8, I turn my life into a nice first week release date. Mm. Y'all is still taking advances, huh? Me and my niggas taking real chances, uh? Y'all on the gram holding money to your ear, there's a disconnect, we don't call that money over here, yeah. Light nigga, dark nigga, faux nigga, real nigga, rich nigga, poor nigga, house nigga, feel nigga, still nigga. Light nigga, dark nigga, faux nigga, real nigga, rich nigga, poor nigga, house nigga, feel nigga. Still nigga. Still nigga. Still nigga. You. What it do? Yeah. I just want to let but y'all I, know uh, I'm a light nigga. Light nigga, <laughs> dark nigga. Mm-mm-mm. But you still, like, you still, at the end of the day. But I'm still nigga. You know what I mean? <laughs> With the red hair. But what's going on, world? It's your favorite people. Be back. And it's hump day. It's Jay Hopper. Yeah. Red Bull. It's your favorite DJ, Honey Bee, on your airwaves. Let's get it. Educated ignorance, we all here. Let's go. Oh, what's up? What up? What up? Happy Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. And we're gonna I'm jump in, right I'm into in, it today too. 
we got a we got a we got a special guest. This th- this show is going to be kind of historic because we got like a living legend. Let alone is my cousin, so I always got the pleasure of talking to him. But at the end of the day, he's the official, the, one of the original leaders from the New York chapter of the Black Panthers. Don't get it twisted with the new Black Panthers. We're talking the original Black Panthers who started up a lot of programs for the community and fought a lot of police brutality and everything else like that. So we got special guest, Garuba Ben Wahad, on the show tonight. Ben Wahad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Garuba, you checked in yet? Yeah, I'm here, brother. Yeah, yeah, and if, if a lot of people might be, they probably seen the the uh, what's that Tupac movie, uh, All Eyes on Me movie. He was the he was the speech in the beginning. His voice was the speech in the beginning. So let us let give give the listeners some some of your background so they can get familiar with. You. Man, you know I don't talk about myself, man. Come on, man, you supposed to do that. You have to. <laughs> yeah, I thought you did that. That's what, did you just do that? Hey, I I, I gave him a little gave you a brief, and all that. A brief introduction. This this, this, what, this what I want you to tell him. Like, how did you how, how did that come about with? How did it come about with you with you with your voice being on the uh, Tupac movie? Well, uh, you know, um, Benny Boone, the director of the movie. Uh, Benny Boone. He, yeah, he's a good friend. He was he's a good friend of Hakim, Hakim Green from Channel Live. Right. And and I knew Hakim since he was a kid. Well, not that long, but I knew him since he was in college. And when he was in first started in college, and he started getting he got involved uh, with the campaign to free black political prisoners and prisoners of war. And um, I was. I was the founder of that campaign along with Tannikil Jones, um, my ex-wife, who was a leader in the anti-apartheid movement in the United States when she was in college at Columbia. And so um, it was uh, Hakim and several other brothers, young brothers, who who were in the campaign that we used to um, have regular political education classes with, and they did a lot of work around the political prisoners trying to get him out of prison and raise people's consciousness. And so in a lot of ways, you know, these young brothers went on to, um, in their individual lives, to be very, very conscious and very, very aware and, and, and always involved in community activities and trying to organize people. So when the movie was being um, put together, uh, <clears throat> Aha Kim called me. And told and asked me, um, do I remember Benny Boone? And I said, yeah, I remember him because when I first got out of prison, Hakim um, invited me over to to Benny Boone's first video. He was shooting a video in Brooklyn, and he invited me over to the set to sit down and try to talk to some of the young folks there. And I hung out all day at his set, so I had knew Benny Boone from then. I think that was like 1990. End of 1990, maybe 91. And so when when um, Hakim called me and told me that about the Tupac movie and that Benny was directing it and he wanted to use that Mandela speech that I gave at Harlem to greet Nelson Mandela when he got out of prison in 1990, I, um, I said, okay, good. It's okay with me because I know Hakim and, and has always been 
trying to raise people's consciousness, always trying to get folks involved in empowering themselves. So I so I said, okay, if you think it's good, it's, it's all right with me. And that's how it happened. Nice. Right. All right. So, um, you know, it's, it's funny. It's funny with me trying to ask you questions because we talk all the time. So, I wanted to let the, um, I know one of my listeners, the listeners, she was, they was asking like, yo, what was your relationship as far as like with Afeni and um, Asada Shakur? Well, in relationship to Asada, um, ironically, I was the one that um, that actually um, signed Asada up in the Black Panther Party. When she joined the Black Panther Party in Holland, Asada was uh, was uh, I believe a second year a second year a college student at City College up in Washington Heights in Harlem, and um, she wanted to you know she 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 was interested in the party. And um, she, uh, her, her major, I think, was healthcare or something. And um, so she was really into um, medical, um, medical first aid, medical treatment. She was, she was preparing that, preparing herself to go down that route as a healthcare worker, as a healthcare um, provider. And she joined the party in the summer of, geez, I think it was the summer of. Of seventy, maybe. Yeah, summer of seventy. Yeah, something like that. Seventy one. Yeah, summer it had to be summer. Oh, summer sixty nine, maybe. Um, and so you know, she she came down to the office, and I I, I processed her at the Harlem office, and that's how she joined the party. And she became a community worker first, because at that time the Black Panther Party's ranks were closed to new members. As 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 full fledged members, because of the infiltration, because of the Panther Twenty One bus, and um, and stuff like that. So she joined the party, then she became a community worker up in up in the Washington Heights, along with uh, several other um, young brothers and sisters. And gradually, they became uh, full fledged Panthers. But um, yeah, so Asado was um, uh, was always a close comrade of mine. After she joined the party, she did a lot of work. It was the community um, a pre-health clinic. Um, she worked with the breakfast program. She worked with the health clinic. Um, and she did a lot of, of, of good things. Asada was a very diligent sister. She was, um, she, she, she was a very dependable sister. And so, you know, when I got, um, <clears throat> when I had to go underground and then I got arrested, Asada and the whole um, NCCF chapter in the, uh, in Washington Heights, also um, uh, went underground, and um, so that's how Sato wound up um, underground, and eventually um, being um, brutally um, a, a, the police attempting to kill her on the turnpike after killing Zay Malik Shakur, and um, and um, wounding her, and capturing uh, Sundiata Okoli, who's still in prison. And as far as Afeni is concerned, um, I remember when Afeni joined the party too in the Harlem, the Harlem <laughs> branch. Uh, <laughs> but Afeni, I think I don't know if Afeni was living up in New York before, very much longer before she joined the party in Harlem. But I do know she was from down south, and um, she she was a very uh, 
she was a very vivacious sister in that she always had this this big um, infectious smile. Uh, you know, Fanny had this big affectionate smile and, and twinkle in her eyes. And, you know, even when you was mad at her, you had to like, man, come on with that, you know? And, uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> and she was like that. And she joined the party and she was very enthusiastic. She was very, um, she was very um, um, uh, um, active in, in doing a lot of the stuff that we did. I think she joined the party in the winter of 68. And uh, 68, yeah, yeah, maybe went to 68 when uh, when the United Federation of the Teachers in New York went on strike because they didn't want to um, really deal with the right of minority people of black folk having the power to hire and fire uh, white teachers in a black community district in a black um, um, a district. There was a struggle around Ocean Hill, Brownsville in New York, independent black district and the Black Panther Party got really heavily involved supporting the black educators uh, J2 Weusi um, was one of them uh, Professor uh, Jeffries um, um, Professor Smalls there was a lot of uh, brothers that we know now as as as, um, as Pan-African professors who were involved in the Ocean Hill Brownsville struggle in 1968 when the United Nations when the United Federation of Teachers went on strike and it was that at that strike that the Black Panther Party took a very direct approach in opening the schools up. Uh, we, we, we opened up a lot of the schools that were closed because the teachers went on strike. And we got students from Columbia University and, um, and Brooklyn College to, to, to come into the schools that we opened up and to, to children for the liberation schools. And eventually the, um, the United Federations, the teacher got a court order to um, to have the police uh, close and lock the buildings in the black community that we were using the school buildings. They put chains on them so that we couldn't use them. So that was the response of the educational system back then to black people who wanted to control their own uh, education. And the Black Panther Party was heavily involved in that. And that's about the time that the famous Shakur uh, joined the New York chapter of the Black Panther Party. So she got involved in that struggle um, straight off. Right. So a lot of people that do know about the Black Panthers, they know how serious they were and then how, how much they influenced a lot of other people. So what's the difference between the, the Black Panther Party and then the new Black Panther Party? <laughs> I, I know the difference. They might not know the difference. Well, the Black the, the, the original Black Panther Party... Uh, contrary to what a lot of people might think, um, only lasted in its revolutionary form for about three years, from 1967 to 1971, a little over three years, when the Black Panther Party split um, as, a, as a consequence or partly as a part, part, a part consequence of the counterintelligence program. Um, so the Black Panther Party went on um, in in to, to in um, using the name and and having its headquarters in in California up until nineteen uh, up into the nineteen um, up into the late nineteen seventies, but it was a shell of itself. It wasn't revolutionary. It became more or less 
um, a reformist type uh, operation under uh, Elaine Brown, um, and uh, and so that's I usually most most original Panthers from the before uh, before the split in 1971 um, considered the Black Panther Party um, basically dead after 1971, but um, the legacy of the Black Panther Party. Um, was something that had to be that had to be um, um, encapsulated. It had to be redirected away from the types of programs and the revolutionary strategic vision that we had as a people, that we had as a party. You know, um, it had to be um, um, that legacy, that history had to be rewritten, and it had to be rewritten in a way that wouldn't inspire or wouldn't captivate another generation of young black people looking for a way to address um, uh, the subjugation of their people, the exploitation of their people, the injustices that we face every day. So in order to, um, to change that legacy, in order to distort what the history of the party was, um, um, a lot of things happened. Um, you know, you had the crack epidemic, you had um, PCP and the war on drugs, and all of this stuff. So you had an entire generation um, who 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 were being raised um, on crack, who were being raised in in a situation where the um, where the human rights movement of the sixties, the people called the civil rights movement, that the black liberation movement of the sixties, the the radical wing of that movement, were 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 decimated, were destroyed, and so they raised up other organizations. You know, with the, with you know, they raise above organizations wearing uniforms and, and black boots and you know talking a lot of smack, but basically doing nothing. And um, and so that's how that's how you you've come to uh, to that ridiculous formation that 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 you call the New Black Panther Party. But you, people don't understand that the original New Black Panther Party. Originated in Texas, and it was um, it was founded by a young man by the name of uh, Michaels. Um, uh, what's his first name? Um, I forget his first name. Uh, and um, he originally founded the Black Panther, the New Black Panther Party in Texas, and they came to notoriety as a consequence of um, of an altercation. I believe it was in Houston. Um, I think it's Houston, Houston or Dallas. I can't remember exactly which city it was, but they had a there was a contradiction between the um, the board of education in that particular city. I believe it was Houston or or, or Dallas. I think it's Houston, and um, the board of education in this particular district was almost all white, and the district was ninety eight percent black, and so they were trying to um, to get more equity on the, the, the parents and the people in the community were trying to get more equity on the board, more representation in the educational system. And so there were there was a series of public meetings and town hall meetings to this effect. They became very, very hostile meetings. They became very, uh, very heated. And, uh, and the new Black Panther Party, uh, under this brother Michaels, um, decided that they were going to show up in... Um, in, in the, at these hearings with guns. And, you know, Texas is an open carry state. 
And so they showed up at one of these crucial meetings with guns, and it hit the newspapers and went nationwide that the pan- that these these new Panthers had showed up uh, with guns in a edu- in, in in a board of education meeting in Texas. And that one thing led to another, and eventually, um, the people in the community uh, managed to change the composition of the board. But um, the the new Black Panther Party under under Michaels. Um, went on to uh, to do community uh, patrols and try to do various little small programs um, in that city. And then the, uh, the uh, there was a young man who was murdered brutally brutally lynched in in Texas and dragged behind a a pickup truck. And um, and this horrendous murder by these racists uh, in Texas uh, galvanized a lot of people. And um, one of some of the people they galvanized was um, was uh, was was the New Black Panther Party in Texas under this brother Michaels, and um, they decided that they were going to to um, to 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 take a caravan to Jasper, Texas, where this brother was murdered, and uh, to show that that black people weren't going to tolerate this type of brutality and and, and violence and terrorism anymore. And they invited um, Khalil Khalid Mohammed to come and stand with them at the press conference and um, at Jasper, Texas, and that's what he did. And then at that time, Khalid was beefing um, uh, and had a contradiction with uh, Minister Farrakhan and was not no longer a member or was expelled or suspended from the NOI as a result of that conflict. And he came and stood with the Panthers, with the New Panthers, uh, under Aaron Aaron Michaels was his name. His first name was Aaron. And, on, um, with Aaron Michaels in um, in Jasper, Texas, and um, and that went all over the newspapers. And um, you had a picture of Co- pictures of Khalid with these armed New Black Panthers behind him. And uh, and then after next thing I knew, uh, Khalid Mohammed was the head of the New Black Panthers. And uh, Aaron Michaels had um, had resigned and and uh, was dealing with his wife who was on death row, uh, and she was later uh, um, executed um, on death row in Texas. And so um, that's basically, without all the drama and um, and and some of the other details of how they came into existence, um, it was started by Aaron Michaels. In uh, Texas, in about nineteen ninety, nineteen maybe nineteen ninety three, ninety four, something like that. I'm uncertain about the the year. I know it was after I got out of prison and before I moved to Africa. So yeah, so it must have been ninety two uh, right. around then. Right. And so yeah, so that's how the party. That's how they start. A lot. Another another thing that me and you spoke about before, and I want a lot of the listeners to really know and do some research on. Right now, you're working on something new. What you said is micro banking. Uh, yeah, micro financing. Uh, micro yeah. financing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, yeah. It's a system that was developed. It's a system of 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 finance, of, fin- of financing and banking that was developed in India to to help. Uh, empower poor people, rural people, people that didn't have any money, 
that they were very poor. They didn't have any history with banks. They couldn't get loans from none of the banks. They couldn't um, they couldn't get any type of, of of support, financial support, to help uh, expand or enhance their um, their livelihood. So a young Indian um, uh, 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 man uh, came up with the idea of people pooling their resources together to take out a small loan that they all could pay back and use that small loan for whatever purposes they needed to enhance or develop themselves. And so that's basically how it started in India, and, 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 and it exploded because it's a very good system for poor people, for people in the third world who – Many of whom are making less than a dollar a day. Some of them are making a dollar twenty-five cents a day, you know, and they have no access to the bank. They have no access to loans. They have no access to capital, you know, and they're in these rural areas. They're isolated, and so micro microfinancing, um, um, especially through NGOs, a non-governmental organization, and through um, small businesses, can can be, really begin to make a difference in people's lives giving them access to resources, giving them a history, a financial history, so that they could take out a macro loan in a regular bank, in a bigger bank. And, mm-hmm. and um, so microbanking is basically um, circulating the collective wealth of poor people, the co- collecting the wealth or collecting the resources of small people and, 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 um, and, and, and putting it into a financial institution so that it could benefit them. And and so it's a very it's a very effective way of, of banking for people who don't have bank records, who can't get loans, who can't um, uh, open up a bank account. It's very good for them. And 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 the repayment rate uh, for the loan under micro banking is somewhere in the the 85 to 92 percent. So they have a very good return on their loans, and it really works. And so what I'm working on is um, in Ghana. Um, in Guinea um, is to establish my NGO. I have a non-governmental organization there called uh, Institute for the Development of Pan-African Policy, and it's a, it's, it's, it was um, it was relaunched as a as an ancillary as a as a subsidiary of of Community Change Inc. in the Bronx in Bronx, New York. Now, Community Change Inc. has this unique educational model for at-risk uh, uh, black boys and, and, and black children. Um, it's, it's, it's a very effective model. It, it trains educators and teachers on how to deal with inner-city um, children, inner-city uh, um, uh, young people, and, and engage them in, in areas and careers that they are interested in rather than the set curriculum and, uh, and testing and all of that stuff. So the model is very effective. It's, it's, been, it's been awarded a lot. By, by different social agencies has garnered a lot of awards. And so uh, the brother that's working in, that's the director of that program, again, like Hakim, he came up in the campaign to free black political prisoners. He was one of the brothers that, that, that we trained. And so he what, was the name back, what was the name of it? Um, a Community Change, Inc. It's a subdivision community of career business. Yeah, Community okay. Change, Inc. It's in New York. And you can look it up. It's on the web. It has the website. You can see the program. And it's just launched. And and and, and the NGO that it that it launched in Africa that 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 I'm running is called um, Community Change Ghana. 
and 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 the operation arm that is is my NGO, the, the it, uh, Institute for the Development of Pan African Policy. So now I'm trying to get it off the ground. Now that we're certified, now that we got recognition, um, I'm trying to. Um, get the type of funding and the type of resources so that we can go to work. We know I have, um, I have good connections and, 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 um, and have known uh, farmers in rural areas in Bolatanga, um, in, in, in the Ashanti, in the Ashanti region of, of Ghana. Uh, we have a school, um, my family and my wife has, a, my wife's family has a school in Guinea, in Conakry, an elementary school that we're trying to upgrade uh, re, and, and refurbish and um, and retrain the teachers in dual immersion programs, dual language immersion, French and English, uh, for um, beginning in uh, preschool, kindergarten, mm-hmm. all the way up to um, eighth grade, with all the courses. Can I ask you a question? Yes, yeah, sure. What is, what is your infatuation with uh, empowering Ghana? Well, that's a story. I've got to see this stuff in my book. If I tell you guys all this stuff now, ain't nobody going to buy my book. <laughs> we are, we're no, definitely going to promote no. the book. <laughs> oh, oh, we're definitely going to promote the book. No, I'm, I'm only joking. Is, I'm only joking. I, let, let, I'm, me explain, I'm, let me explain. I'm, Ghana, okay, okay. Ghana is Malcolm. Uh, if, if you want to know the ideological and, um, thing um, on the surface, it's that. I don't, I don't know if any of your listeners or how many of your listeners have really uh, followed Malcolm, and 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 especially in the last few years of his life, when he traveled abroad, uh, Ghana mm-hmm. was one of the first places he, he interacted with Sekou Toure, Kwame Nkrumah, um, Julius Nyerere, all of the different uh, uh, iconic figures of African history that we know about, who uh, liberated Africa from European colonialism uh, in the fifties and sixties. Now, um, why Ghana? Well, let's go back to Asada, okay? Y'all ready for this one? See, this is in my book. Y'all ain't supposed, I ain't supposed to tell you. <laughs> I get a preview, a preview. <laughs> Quick only preview. reason I'm doing this, only only reason I'm doing this is because JR is fam, man. So, you know, I want to get some props for it. But, um, okay, we appreciate you. We appreciate that, good brother. We appreciate it. JR ain't say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. Okay, so it goes back to Asada. This is how it goes back to Asada. Um, the, uh, when I got out of prison, uh, you know, um, I went, um, one of the places that I, that I slipped off to was to see my sister. And, um, and so we was kicking it and stuff, and she introduced me to the, to the uh, Ghanaian ambassador to Cuba. Who was a professor, Kofi Awunu. He was a um, he was a professor from Ghana. He was also a confidant of the president of Ghana at that time, um, uh, uh, John, um, John Rollins. Um, and um, so she introduced me to him, and we used to spend uh, we we spent a few nights having these long, involved debates and conversations because he was one of the um, one of the early. Uh, uh, alkalites of Kwame Nkrumah. He was a young man when Kwame Nkrumah went when Ghana became independent. And uh, and he told me then, he said, you know, he said, if you're ever thinking about um, uh, setting up or, or, expect, uh, or going to Africa, or, you know, you should definitely come to Ghana because 
you know, um, we in pocket over there, you know, it's the government is pan-African in its views and, and um, it's, you know, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a good environment for you. And so that's how I wound up going to Ghana. It was because of uh, Asada introduced me to this ambassador to Cuba, and we became very close friends, the ambassador and I. He was killed, and I just want to say uh-huh. that he was killed in, in, Kenya, in Kenya in, um, in an al-Shabaab attack on, um, on the shopping mall in Nairobi a few uh-huh. years ago. I, I, maybe some of you all are familiar with it. Al-Shabaab from, um, had launched an attack. Um, uh, at a shopping mall in Kenya, and um, he was in the mall shopping at the time of the attack, and he was killed. So, oh wow! Uh, so this was my good friend, and 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 my intentions are, inshallah, if, if if I ever am able to get my my NGO um, to prosper and and really help people, I really want to set up my student exchange uh, a project that, that that I'm I'm working on a Pan-African student exchange project between African students there and, and African-American students here. And also connected to that is a rites of passage um, um, uh, cultural component. So I'm working on that, and, um, and I want to um, ultimately make that a scholarship program, the Kofi Awanu Scholarship, Pan-African Scholarship Program, if I could, in memory of my friend um, Kofi Awanu. Yeah. Great. That sounds amazing. So how can, if anybody in the States wanted to uh, go to Ghana, uh, maybe dual citizenship or even renounce their citizenship, what would, or would you recommend that or would you not recommend that? How would you, how would you recommend someone to make that happen if they would like to do so? Well, first of all, let me say this. We got a whole lot of, of, of of, of good things happening on the continent that's that's being done by expats, by being being done by homies, by being done being done by, by African Americans. Mm-hmm. And um and then you know I hate to use that term, but um I just wanted to identify, you know, what we're talking about. Um we we right now um we have a collaboration between um Lancaster um, um a teachers college in Winnebah um, mm-hmm. Between a program that's deal, that deals with uh, families, uh, poor families, inner city families in Africa called O Africa, and we have also where where we liaison with One Africa, um, with my sister Amakus, um, and 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 they have a school in Cape Coast, and um, so we're working with a number of programs now. As far as young folks. Or older people, I would suggest that 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 folks who are thinking about retirement, who are thinking about um, uh, uh, buying a home, rather than moving to Florida or trying to slip off to St. Thomas somewhere, and and you know and run through your bucket list, you know that you should really um, think about relocating to Africa. And the reason why I say that is because people don't understand, and this is where we're going to get into some stuff here. You know, people don't understand the mythology of capitalism, and the mythology of capitalism is that is that the dollar, the paper money, the dollar represents wealth. That if you have a lot of dollars, if you got greenbacks, you know all the rap songs that talk about, you know, talk about the greenbacks, the money, and 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 dollar bills, and and all of that stuff, right? Uh, that dollar 
That paper money is, in, in reality, worthless, absolutely worthless. There's nothing behind it. There's nothing backing it. Before the Bretton Woods Agreement in 1948, the dollar used to be so-called dollar was backed by gold. It was supposed to be backed by gold. All of the central banks of the European nations, former colonial nations, you know, uh, their currency was supposedly either backed by gold or, in the case of the British, by, by sterling silver. But after the Bretton Woods Agreement and, 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 and uh, uh, height, at the height of the industrial, post-industrial age, really, because that was the beginning of the technological revolution. But in 1948, the United States became the, uh, the leading world power after World War II. It had the largest military. It had the largest industrial base. had the largest budget. And so Europe was devastated. It was laid waste. Europe looked like Brownsville, Brooklyn used to look in the 60s. You know, you could, you know, all of the buildings, there was no buildings. It was, Europe was whacked after World War II. It was destroyed. And the United States launched a program um, called the Marshall Plan to, to rehabilitate Europe. It did a similar thing in Japan to bring back the ruling elite in Japan. The, the, the same ones that started the war, they brought them back. And it's the same way in, in Germany. The industrialists, the crumps, the, the people that own um, uh, uh, BMW and, and all of that, Bavarian Motorworks and all of that, these individuals were war criminals. They're the ones that gave Hitler his war machine, the machinery of war. And when the war was over and the politicians were hung, the, the big woolly capitalists were brought back out of the shade and, in order to rebuild Europe. And so in the rebuilding of Europe um, and the establishment of the U.N., Europeans decided, the leading nations, the former imperialist nations, decided that they would go off the standard of gold and, and use the American dollar as the foundational currency. This is why you see the United States is the only country on the planet, on the planet, that, 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 could, that, that its currency is the basis for trade in every other country in the world. No other country does that has that, not the European Union, not the Euro, nothing. Oil is judged by the dollar. Bauxite is, is estimated by the dollar. Um, um, iron ore, by the dollar. Coltan, by the dollar. You name it, the criteria for measuring its worth is the dollar. Now, have, because the dollar is printed, and it's always printed in times of, 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 um, of recession, they print more money, put more money in the circulation in order to boost the economy, and that leads to another cyclic uh, uh, rate of they call inflation. So this cycles are built into capitalism, and and the dollar fluctuates, goes up and down accordingly. And but there is no basis for this. The dollar, um, the piece of paper that we call the money, you know, is worthless. And in fact, that's the, that's my next book. I hope I can get it out in December. It's called Beggars on Horseback, or Creating a Pan-African Paradigm in the 21st Century. And and in that book, I show how Africa is the richest continent on the planet, but the people are the poorest. And the reason why people are poor is because the minerals underneath their feet is extracted to enrich their former colonial masters. And 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 and, and so. The means that they do that is by using a comprador class, a middle class, an intermediary. It used to be called neo-colonials, but they're no longer neo-colonials. 
They're just a misrulership class. And they've grown fat and rich off of their relationship to Europe's finance capital institutions. And so what the problem is, is that sooner or later, and it looks like it's going to be sooner, the dollar is going to actually belly up. And we're going to be left holding a lot of useless, worthless paper. So the only thing that's really of value in the future for people of African ancestry and for people in general is ownership of land and gold and access or use of gold or the wealth underneath the, 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 the ground or in the ground in Africa. Just imagine, for instance, and uh, I'm going to answer your question, sister, about people coming to Africa. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to get people to understand that this is a global economic system, and this global right. economic system is teetering in crisis, is teetering on the brink of collapse. Mm-hmm. And the United States uh, is a nation, is a nation state, the most powerful one in the country militarily and economically, you know, that's been in a state of war ever since its existence. I think the United States has only not been at war about eight or nine years in its total existence. So the United oh. States is in a perpetual state of war because without war, there's no profit, there's no industry, there's no, you know, there's no money, there's no wealth. I mean, just think about it. Everything that we're using, the cell phone included, the internet, all of this was developed by the military. All of these things, the, 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 the planes that we're using, all of this technology, the majority of this technology that we're using was developed by the military, by research and development of corporations who had military contracts. So, so, not, so capitalism depends on conflict. It depends on war. And the way the dollar started, the way money started, the way paper money started, was that the British were involved in a 50-year war with, um, with uh, France. And this war was draining, had drained the British economy, and the British were looking for a way um, to... to, 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 to um, to finance and rebuild its navy, to um, to finance its army. So it turned to the bankers. It turned to the Rothschilds and, and these individuals. It turned to these bankers and and asked them for a loan. And they said, "Sure, we'll give you a loan, but in return, you have to get, you have to give a give us in the checker of the realm. You have to give us an IOU that we could use anywhere in the empire." For, for, to, to, to negotiate trade and business. And so it started on something basically less than $7 million loan blossomed into 20 times that amount in terms of paper, IOUs, and transactions, and the Rothschilds. And so that's how it all started. Every fiat, every um, paper money, every empire, every nation that has had paper money as its basis for wealth has collapsed. That economy has collapsed. Uh, we saw that in the Great Depression. We saw that when people were walking around with barrels, wheelbarrows of money, and, and it was worthless. And so we're headed that way again. But this time, they, uh, capitalism, because of industrialization, post-industrialization and technology and, 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 and communications, uh, uh, networks and technology, you know, we, don't need, we hardly use paper money anymore at all. We use plastic. So they... <laughs> So they don't went they don't went beyond this because they know that when the paper money uh, uh, collapses, you got plastic and all that inquires is putting a digit 
on on some paper and moving the decimal point left or right, you know. And so that's even that's even cornier. That's even phonier. But folks is buying it now. You know how many times have you been out hanging out and everybody got to go to the ATM because nobody got cash. You know, I got stopped at the ATM, man. I ain't got no cash right now. Mm-hmm. Or you can pull up in the filling station. You don't use cash. You use your car if you got a car. Mm-hmm. You see, so right. so what I'm trying to say is, what I'm trying to say is, is that this economic system has has a built-in mechanism of self-destruction because it's not based on any real wealth. It's not based on anything concrete, like gold. Now, unlike gold, you know, um, the paper money doesn't last long. It's 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 it, it, um, it, it's it's ephemeral. It, it, it evaporates. Like if you look at gold. Um, and, and study uh, gold, the history of gold, you'll find out that almost all of the gold that's been mined since gold was used over 500, 600 years ago is still in existence, almost, except for the gold they lost at the bottom of the sea or somebody's stolen treasure. But we're talking about almost 70, 73% of all the gold that was ever mined is still in somebody's vault somewhere. So gold is something that's constant. And what else is constant and necessary? Land. And without land, we don't eat. Without land, we can't, we can't do anything. Okay, we don't have no shelter. We don't have anything. So land and gold are the two bases for, for, for genuine economics and genuine um, uh, uh, um, for our future. So having said that, I would encourage people uh, especially young people, and, and 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 believe me, if these programs that I'm trying to get up and running, um, hopefully before the end of the year, uh, I'm going to be putting out resumes, uh, calls for resumes for young folks, uh, for, for for young people like you guys, to um to 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 get involved in these programs because I can't run this NGO without folks like y'all. It's not mm-hmm. going to happen, you see, mm-hmm. and it's not going to happen. You know, it's one thing to have a vision. It's another thing, a strategic vision. It's another thing to have a, a, a plan and a service plan to carry it out, mm-hmm. you know, to implement it. And fortunately, out of all of this, our young people are some of the uh, brightest, enormous, and immense skill sets. A lot of young people have some very good skill sets. And um, so I want to try to, to uh, encourage young folks to take those skill sets and try to get involved in pan-African programs and, and, and that, that, that reach across the ocean and unify us with that basis of land and gold in Africa. And also, mm-hmm. we need to build and we need to show how, how, um, how, how it can be done. Because, you see, there's one thing that, 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 that Africans, um, in, in many respects, and this is not a put-down, and this is not bragging, or trying to make ourselves look superior and make our brothers and sisters abroad look inferior. It has nothing to do with that at all. But the, the sad fact is, is that, is that Africans in Africa seldom see the potential that's all around them. They, they look at it as undevelopment. They look at around them and they don't have the type of in, infrastructure and roads that they have here or they have in the developed world, so they say they're backwards, that they don't have anything. That you know, um, it's 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 um, it's a bad situation, but 
When we go over there, we see these vast tracts of empty land growing, growing, um, growing cassava, growing, growing um, uh, planting, and, and growing food, and the land is empty. And it's, and or we go to the to the coast, and 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 we we realize that you know that if we were to set up hydroelectric projects right there in the ocean, or or or, or, or wind farms on the coast that everybody on the interior could have electricity damn near free. You know, mm. development is, a, is not only a physical thing. It not only requires investment. Development in, requires people with talent and vision. You, you can't develop anything if all of your best minds are leaving the country to try to make a living in America and in Britain and in France, you see. So I would encourage young people to repatriate, but I would encourage them to repatriate in a way that, that puts their skill set to use inside of an organization, inside of a pan-African movement, to empower our movement. Ultimately, what I want to do with the Institute to develop, uh, for the Development of Pan-African Policy is to carry out such programs that, that uh, on a humanitarian level that I could step forward the African Union and, and, and embarrass them and, 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 and reveal them for what they are. You know, the African Union has an international body, has a, a, a united military command, it has a united command for everything, a united front for everything, but for the well-being of African people, it has no refugee and relief agencies. And there's over 20 million Africans right now as we speak who are starving, who are homeless, who are living in refugee camps, who are internally displaced, right now as we speak, almost 20 million across mm-hmm. Africa. And, we, and the African Union has no refugee and relief program. It depends, on the, it depends on doctors without borders. It depends on white folks coming from Europe with their expertise, doctors without borders, the Red Cross, you know, Salvation Army, all of these, that's who we depend on. Whenever there's famine or catastrophe in Africa and we turn on the TV, there's some white woman or some white man up there telling you about how bad things are there and how they need more help. We don't see black folks there. We don't see our, our, our you know, hoteppers there. Where's the hoteppers? Where are the hoteppers? Besides being in, a, besides talking about how we were once kings and queens in Egypt five thousand years ago, mm-hmm. you know, where are they? You know, where are all these revolutionaries who are talking about, you know, um, that, that 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 we need to, or all these black capitalists, I should say, who are talking about mm-hmm. we need to keep the dollar in the black community and our buying power equals real power. Ain't no way in the world somebody that bought potato chips owned the potato chip company. You know, and and, 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 and and we don't understand the, 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 the contradiction of capitalism. We don't understand how we are part of an empire. And if we do not begin to think in a sovereign, with a sovereign mentality to liberate ourselves from the effects and the empowerment of that empire and the power of that empire, we're still going to stay in the same position, spinning our wheels um, um, Forever and unfortunately, when this system collapses, we won't survive. So we got to really begin to figure out and 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 build towards surviving 
America. We have to survive this joint. We survived this long. There ain't no sense in going out Trump style now. You see? So, <laughs> exactly. So, 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 so um, we really got to understand our role here, you know. And I would, uh, I would definitely urge young black people um, and to, to to return home. I know one thing. Once, even if you go on a visit, you're never going to be the same after you come back. So, wow. So it's. It's not just a visit in, in terms of physical distance. It's an existential visit back in time for the black people. It has a different meaning. It's not just a tourist visit. I mean, you can go to France and hang out. You can go to Amsterdam, kick the Willie, hang out in smoke shops and do all of that. It's just a trip to another big city in the West. You know, people talk a different language, different type of architecture, different type of vibe and stuff. But that's cool, you know. The whole mm-hmm. world is a stage, so it's cool. But when you go to Africa, it's different. Go into that slave castle and walk through the door and go to the door of no return and see what happens uh, to you and how you feel about that. The door of no return, that meant that when you went out that door, you were never coming back. Mm-hmm. Neither were your ancestors. And neither would you ever remember where you came from. That's what that door represents. Well, fortunately, the first thing I did when I organized IMPACT back in 1995 with Kofi Awanu is I had Kofi talk to, um, to, um, to the president of Rollins about a, ceremonial, um, a ceremony to bring the African diaspora back through the door of no return and break that, that, that hold on us. And that's what, that's what the um, government did. They, 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 they did it on Emancipation Day when the British declared slavery illegal. And I, my beef was, well, you know, we all wasn't under British rule, you know. And so Emancipation Day for Jamaica and the Caribbean wasn't the same for us in terms of, you know, Juneteenth and all of that stuff. But that was mine. Today, to this very day as we speak, Emancipation Day is a, is a, is a regular yearly event that takes place over three or four days. Uh, in Ghana, and, and and Africans from all over the diaspora go to Ghana on Emancipation Day, and um, and I believe Emancipation Day is the end of this July 31st or something this month, and it goes into Panafest. So so my point is my point is is that um, we really need to reconnect. We really need to to establish concrete networks between ourselves and our motherland, and empower mm-hmm. each other. And, 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 and use that network to, to carve out for ourselves the type of institutions, the type of apparatus that we need to, to survive. In New York, here in Atlanta, we need to be our own first responders. We need to have community control of all of those agencies in our community that are supposed to deliver services and supposed to protect us. We should have community control over these um, uh, uh, institutions, police, uh, fire um, and all of this stuff. We should have community control over it. In other words, what I'm saying is we need decentralization of these institutions so that people on the ground can determine the policies on how they dealt with in their own communities. And that means for us, that means that politics is local. But if we understand the role that that plays in the overall um, uh, situation of black people, then we understand that our local politics in essence, is international. So, so that's one of the reasons why uh, with my institute, one of the first things I was trying to do, of course I got blocked 
by the Negroes sitting by the spooks sitting by the door. Um, <laughs> I tried. To, I wanted to establish a sister relationship between uh, um, uh, um, a major city in in, in in Ghana and and Newark, New Jersey, because I happened to you know know Ross Baraka, who's the mayor of Newark. You know, yeah. and um, his dad and I were were, were you know um, contemporaries. I knew his dad very well. Uh, um, Amiri Baraka and um, so when Rock got elected and I went to Africa I said well look why don't I try to hook up a sister city relationship you know sister cities mean that there's, that there's official interaction between that city and the other city um, they exchange a cultural and, 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 and um, trade and, and visits and all of this stuff so I wanted yeah. to do that but I got blocked by the secretary you know um, <laughs> The second wow. the point the second you know, so but it's still in the it's still in the works, you know. He, he, you know, so if Ross could be elected I'm quite sure we might be able to do it. But I would encourage everyone, um, to to at the very minimum, um, um go home and mm-hmm. and trace your roots and, and yeah. but most of all, step out into that African sun and realize that we are children of the sun. This mm-hmm. melanin makes us children in the sun. We're not enemies of the sun. These crackers are enemies of the sun. They've been enemies of the sun since they've been on this planet. You see? Mm. And, and, and they look at the world as something that they have to alter, that they have to control, that they have to dominate. That's why they destroyed the ozone layer. That's why they're destroying this planet. You know? We, on the other hand, we people, like, 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 like Curtis says, darker than blue, you know, we people with melanin. We people from Africa, we people of color, we are children of the sun. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and we have always existed in harmony with nature, not in opposition. So now we're living in different times with technology. We're living in a technological revolution where the world has collapsed in on us in terms of us being able to communicate and, 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 and transcend time zones. What happens right now on the other side of the world is, is instantaneously being to us on our cell phones, on our radios, in the TVs, in our cars, everywhere. So we're connected. We're connected. We're no longer just neighborhoods. We're no longer just isolated communities. And we need to really understand what that means and, and understand the great responsibility we have as people in America, as black people, as African people in America, you people don't understand. I'm going to end with this. People really don't understand that we know white folks better than any other folks on this planet. You know? And um, I knew Donald Trump before he rolled up because I knew that type of white boy. The orange man out of New York, I know what type of white boy he is. I used to take their bicycles back in the day. So <laughs> I knew what they were. <laughs> you see? Yeah. So, so, so we know what their insecurities are. That's why this cracker rants and raves about about the election. He's six months into his term. He won. He's still ranting and raving about how he really won. You see? Because mm-hmm. he doesn't believe he won. You see? And and, and so we need to understand He didn't win the insecurity. people, though. He didn't win the yeah, people. But, That's what you know I mean. He knows that. Well, you know, they just, I was just, I was just watching um, this. They, they, I, they brought this guy out who did a survey. Uh, or Google, I think he was. A, he, he worked for Google. I don't know if y'all saw it today. And Google did a survey of of, of of Trump supporters, 
and they did this multi-level survey, and they found out that Trump supporters are, 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 are serious racists. Now, of course, if you say to a Trump, everybody that, didn't, that voted for Trump, they're going to say, well, isn't a racist, you know? That well may be true, you know? Everything or something is nothing, you know? So, so, so that may be true, but they conducted the survey, and he said, well, how could you come to this conclusion that the majority of Trump supporters was racist? And he, he, brought, he, slipped, he slipped it in on them. That's why I said they might not have him on the program no more. He said, well, when we conducted the survey, one of the questions, one of the things that we asked was what type of websites, you know, or, um, um, do, do Trump supporters really like? And they found out that the websites that they frequented the most was the ones that, they, that, that people got nigger jokes from. You know, they, they, they needed new videos and jokes on black folks, you know, um, derogatory jokes and, and, and stuff on black folks. And Trump supporters overwhelmingly swamped those sites. You know, hmm. so it was it was a poll that was taken on the down low because I'm quite sure those individuals really didn't understand how how this information was going to be put together to reveal what they were really thinking about. And we know that, right. that, that and we know that, that that like with this this whole this whole you know song and dance about um, repeal of Affordable Care Act that they call Obamacare. The only reason that these crackers are so dedicated and set on, on repealing that rather than, than modifying it or reforming it is because it, was, it bears the signature of a black man. And, and it's intolerable for them to think that anything as important as health care could be improved by a president that was black. You know, and, and so they have to get rid of it. And it doesn't make a difference, you know, um, it doesn't make a difference that the black man that, 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 that initiated it sold us out to begin with because it's not a single payer. It's not a single payer health care. You know, he could He gave in to the insurance companies. It's all about making sure the insurance companies and the pharmaceutical companies get paid, not mm-hmm. about the health care or the health of, of, of the American people. So that's what that Obamacare is about. It's about repealing an Affordable Care Act that has the name of the black president on it. And nobody wants to say that. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. Wow. All right. But you so, know what's funny about that, though? You know, you know what's real funny about that? The that? population of, of, of African Americans that live in the United States is only about 10 to 12 million. And they said that they're going to lose 20 million people are going to lose health care. But you don't care that that's well, 10 million. Well, well, okay. well, well, the last census for black folks, you know, black folks was 22 million when I was in the Black Panther Party. So, so they, they, we up there around 28, 30 million black people in America still constitutes less than 11% of the population, you know, and, and we're fast being surpassed by Latinos and people of Latin American origin. And everybody knows that America is in, in the next uh, 30 years or so, is going to be predominantly people of color. And white folks is losing their minds over that prospect. I mean, they literally don't lost their mind. And, and, I mean, you got, do you know the highest suicide rate in America is, is our, our white males between 27 and, and 40? 
That's the highest suicide rate. I mean, white males between 27 and 40, they, are, they have the highest drug addiction on, on hard drugs, whether it's Oxycontin or heroin or, 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 or what's that other one? Meth. That's, that's the one mm-hmm. on, on meth. You know, that's their favorite one a right white, there. A white male, a white, a white, a white folks in that age category. The highest suicide rate. The, and, and they're the ones that you see waving the flags, talking about Trump's going to drain the swamps. They're the ones that's, that's carrying that, 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 that's going to the gun range, talking about they're getting ready for race war. It's these ne'er-do-wells, dead-end, tired-ass white boys, you understand, who ain't got no future. We think the black folks is taking over Bottom the world. Bottom yeah, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's who they are. And, and, yeah. and so they can't deal with the, the prospect. That that, uh, that 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 America is becoming a country of people of color, and and that would translate, you would we think, all <laughs> in, into political power, but it doesn't, and that's the key. The electoral college system makes sure that we could be a majority in this country, but we won't run shit. Mm-hmm. And 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 we need to understand what that means. What is the electoral college? The electoral college means that you got states that got more that got more more cows in them than people, and this state therefore has an electoral <laughs> college number. You understand that outranks the state. You understand it has more people than cows. You see, so so we need to understand the electoral college system was devised by the founding fathers to make sure their founding fathers to make we sure. Can't rule. Yeah, that, that, that poor people, ordinary people, people without wealth, and people of that 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 weren't of their of their class and of their background would never seize full control of the of the apparatus of government and and, and rule, and so they put in this electoral college system. This this is not a democracy. It's not a direct democracy. America is the only country in the world, so-called democracy, that has the electoral college system. Every other country that's supposed to be um, a, a, a democracy has some version of a parliamentary system, okay, in which, in which there is a, an opposition, an opposition that can be um, uh, uh, um, brought to power almost instantaneously. There's a shadow minister of this and there's a shadow minister of that, okay, and that's not in power. Also, in a parliamentary system, Winner doesn't take all. You have to form coalition governments in order to rule, unless you get 100% of the vote. And who gets that except, except, except uh, homeboy there in Africa? What's his name? Uh, uh, he's the only person I know get 100% of the vote. Who gets 100%? 100%. I mean, everybody voted, so everybody loves it. Steph Curry. Not right of it. That's crazy. Steph Curry. <laughs> So the electoral college system Is designed to make sure that Democracy only functions In behalf of of the wealthy And and, and it's supposed to be based On population But because if it's based on population And we're going to be the majority Population in the very near future How do they get around that They got around that because for the last 20 years The Republicans especially Have been making sure That they lock down state governments that they locked down state legislatures. They manipulated the votes, gerrymandered the districts, 
gerrymandered the uh, uh, red line community so that they would make sure that no matter what happened on the state level, they would control the politics. And when you look around, every major city that has a major black population, okay, Chicago, New York, Pittsburgh, every major city where black folks are the majority, it's the rural state government is usually Republican, is usually a, 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 a racist government that's controlling the economy and the politics of that city, you know, and, and, and that's, what, that, that's what they've been quietly doing all during the eight years of Obama was to make sure that they control the state legislature. And what's the first thing they're talking about when they're talking about repealing Obamacare? Returning health care decisions to the state. Right. They're telling yep. you that the state, the people should make the decisions. So it should go back to the state. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to remember, it's got to go back to the states that they done gerrymandered and manipulated for the last eight years. And you got them dumbass yeah. niggas, you got them dumbass Negroes in the Congressional Black Caucus, them useless bootlickers sitting up there in the Congressional Black Caucus, you understand, voting, voting in favor of, 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 um, of, 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 of policies that the U.S. government is carrying out in Africa that's killing African people. They vote in solidarity cool. with the U.S. Very government cool. that's, that's, that's killing Palestinian babies and children, and yet still they won't talk about how our kids are unsafe in the hood. This is our black leaders on the Congressional Black Caucus. And, and yeah, they'll come out and talk about how votes are being taken away. But how is it that black people are the only people on the planet that got to revisit their right to vote every seven or eight years? Every seven or eight years, we got to prove that we could vote. You see, that tells you right there, that tells you right there what the situation is. So I think that it's very important for us to take control of those things that we can control. And that's what um, Imam Jamil has always said, H. Rap Brown, what you don't control controls you. And we need to take control of those, those agencies, those institutions in our community that, 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 that service us. And we need to understand that when, when, when the proverbial stuff hits the fan, that we have to be able to lock down our communities and keep out those forces who would hurt us. And the way, only way to do that is we have to take control of, of law enforcement. We have to take control of public safety. We have to take control of all of these institutions that service us. And the people that are stopping us from doing that in terms of public safety are the police unions. Look at, look at the police unions in every state. The police unions have more power and more control in our community than we do. The police unions intimidate black leaders, and black people can't can intimidate their own leaders. They can't demand that they do anything. But let the police union uh, 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 tell, tell a black elected uh, representative that they think he's soft on crime or he's anti-police, and he'll bend over backwards to prove otherwise, you see, at mm-hmm. our expense. So mm-hmm. we have to take control of our, of our environment. For sure. Wow. You gave yeah. us so much knowledge. Appreciate you. Jules. Yes, we definitely Jules appreciate you. Brother. How can, we, how can uh, people follow what you're doing? We definitely want to um, follow the movement for sure with the Sister well, Connection. Well, you know, like I said, get on the web. And mm-hmm. um, we have this, like I said, you know, we just, we just restarted our, um, our NGO in Africa. And okay. um, if, you, if, if you get on the web with Community Change Inc., um, okay. you can see where... 
you can see where they have Ghana, Ghana, um, um, Community Change Ghana, and, uh-huh. and, 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 and look at those programs and stuff. And, and, and most of all, like with me, I have, you know, um, I have a book that's out now. Um, it's a it's a collaboration, uh, a collaboration between um, uh, um, myself and other brothers that are still alive in the past of twenty one. It's called Look for Me in the Whirlwind. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's on PM Press. You can go on the web now and order it. And if you want to order them, I suggest you order them for me, and that way um, we can stay in touch. Because I got three hundred copies of them because it's my book. So. Okay. Now, how can we order them from you? Well, I'm going to, um, well, there's a sister here that's handling all of this, a sister named, an activist sister named Nia. Uh, okay. I think, do you know her, um, Junior? You know Nia, right? Junior had to, he had to go uh, clock into work. Oh, okay. Well, Nia, yeah. Nia Shade Walker, she's, I don't mm-hmm. know if you know, she's here in Atlanta. Okay. And, uh, and she's the one that's handling uh, that stuff for me. So what I could do, uh, what's your website? Um, we're on, so our website is educated ignorant, I'm sorry, blogtalk.com forward slash educated ignorance. And I'll just have Jay shoot you the information. Yeah, yeah, shoot me the information. And what I'll do is I'll have Nia contact you. And, okay. and that way you could order, you could order the books. She has a, she has a collective of authors here. Uh, a, okay. Uh, um, I think a collective is called uh, Black Authors Matter. Okay. Um, and and so so there's a there's a collective here, and she's handling all of that stuff. So I, I as soon as you hit me up, I'll make sure okay. you get that, and hopefully you could post it to all of, all of your listeners and folks to come on your show. Yeah, for sure. I'm a, the listeners um, listening right now. I'm definitely going to post it on Facebook. I'm gonna have it on my Instagram as well, um, and then we'll definitely be able to spread the um the knowledge as far as where they can get the book. So we can work okay, that what's out. What's your name on Facebook? Um I'm DJ Honey B on Facebook. You DJ Honey B? Yeah. H O N E Y. D as in Delta. Yes. In Delta? Mm-hmm. DJ Honey B? Yep. <laughs> Just a letter B. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> That's I know it's why. Thank you. I know it's cool. It's good. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can't yeah, forget so we, it. Okay. That's cool. Okay. Yeah. So we'll we'll link that up and we'll definitely promote the book. Make sure everyone knows where they can get a copy. As far as that, and then we'll definitely promote the Community Change Inc. website as well. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. All and right. we we definitely appreciate you calling in. So thankful. Oh, yeah, I appreciate y'all having me on, too. And y'all guys keep up the work, man. All right, thank, thank you. you have a good night. All right, you appreciate too. Good you. night, friend. All, All right, peace. Appreciate you, too. Peace. All right. All right, thanks, guys, for listening in. That is the conclusion of our show. Uh, check back next Wednesday, uh, same time, same place, 9 o'clock, Eastern Standard Time. And, uh, yeah, everyone have a good night. Educated. your friends. Listen, it's still recording. You can always go back and listen to get them jewels. So tell a friend, tell a friend. Have a good night. Tell a friend, tell a friend. Good night. Love y'all. Peace. Peace out. <laughs> Manny, what you was sipping on tonight? You all right now? Hey, is it Remy? I wonder. Will it Do take that. me under? Smoking weed in the street without cops harassing 
Imagine going in court out. with no trial. Lifestyle cruising blue behind the waters. No welfare supporters. No conscious of the way we raise our daughters. Days are shorter, nights are colder. Feeling like life is over. These snakes strike like a cobra. The world's hot, my son got knocked. Evidently, it's elementary. They want us all gone eventually. Trooping out of state for a place. Knowledge, if coke was cooked without the garbage, we'd all have the top dollars. Imagine everybody flashing, fashion, designer clothes. Lacing your click up with diamond rolls. Your people's holding dough, no parole. No rubbers, going raw, imagine law with no undercovers. Just some thoughts for the mind. I take a glimpse into time, watch the blimp read, the world is mine. If I rule the world, imagine that. I free all my Paradise life relaxing, black, Latino, and Anglo-Saxon. Amani exchanged the range, cast, lost Robert Shabazz. Free at last, brand new whips to crash. Then we laugh in the illa path. The villa houses for the crew, how we do. Trees for breakfast, dime sexes have been stretches. So many years of depression make me vision. The better living, type of place to raise kids in. Opening eyes to the lives, history's so foul. But I'm as wise as the old owl, plus the gold child. Seeing things like I was controlling, click rolling. Tricking six digits on kicks and still holding. Trips to Paris, I civilize every savage. Give me one shot, I turn tripe life to lavish. Political prisoners. Set free, stress free, no work release, purple and threes and jet skis, fill the wind breeze in West Indies. I think Coretta Scott King, mayor of the cities and reverse things to Willie's. It's down foul, but every girl I meet to go downtown. I'd open every cell in Attica, send them to Africa. Africa. Imagine that. I free all Making moves in Atlanta back and forth scrambler Cause you can have all the chips Be poor or rich Still nobody want a nigga have a shit If I rule the world and everything in it Sky's the limit I push the Q45 infinite It wouldn't be no such thing as jealousies or be felony Strictly living longevity to the destiny I thought I'd never see but reality struck Better find out before your time's out What the fuck If I rule the world Imagine that I free Bye. Bye. 
satisfied. 